Well, hey, friends, welcome back to the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. My name is Jonathan, and I'm stoked to have you here this morning. We're going to do something pretty fun today. Before we get into our interview with Matt Shoup on a phenomenal topic about leading with vulnerability, we're going to let you have another conversation. Yes, that's right. You get to hear two crucial conversations on the podcast today. The first one, though, is brief. From time to time, we want to bring you into conversations that we are having with our coaches so that you can get a clear understanding of what coaching is and how it's helping leaders get healthy and reach more impact in their context. So first up, Alan has a great conversation with his client, Jason Groves, which is great. Jason's a cool guy. You're going to want to hear this. And right after that, we're going to jump into a phenomenal interview with Matt Shoup about leading with vulnerability. So you guys sit back and enjoy today's episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. Hey friends, once in a while, I want to let you in on a coaching conversation. I've got my main man, Jason Groves here. Jason, great to have you. Thanks. Glad to be here. So you do some incredible stuff. You and your wife, Amber, actually had the privilege of being at your house, being on your land, experiencing your ministry up front. Tell us about it. Well, thank you, Alan. Uh, our, our ministry is Refuge Ranch, and we are located in Buffalo Gap, Texas, and we help people disconnect from technology to reconnect with each other and our creator. We just want to make it easy to say yes to the things that matter most in life, and we believe that's relationships. And you guys are doing an amazing job. I mean, concerts, marriage date nights, groups coming out. You guys have two different ranches, uh, one of them that you call Fort Refuge, one of them Refuge Ranch. Um, and I'm absolutely blown away. I got to hear this vision when it was really an infancy stage, right? This this fragile little baby that you handed me um, and we've kind of gotten to help develop. It has been an absolute joy. And we're actually just finishing up a coaching session. So I wanted to let people into coaching just a little bit. It can be hard to kind of conceptualize. First of all, why'd you hop into coaching? I needed clarity. I had a vision. Uh, we've been praying about this vision for quite a bit, but the, sometimes the next steps are the hardest things to see. Uh, I knew the direction we wanted to go, felt very passionate about it, but I needed someone to just look at that and objectively uh, help us with those next steps. And I uh, needed it to be someone who really understood uh, our faith aspect because this is faith driven, but it's also built by the community and for the community at large. So I wanted someone who could really uh, kind of see beyond uh, just the faith aspects, but also how we could reach people who may not have a relationship with Jesus. And it's, I mean, you say next steps, it has been a steep climb with some amazing views along the way. We had no idea when we started this coaching journey, really how fast this thing could develop. You guys were gifted. I mean, story for another day. We'll have you back on the podcast. But you guys were gifted this second incredible property that was really turnkey, ready to go. You're hosting groups almost from day one there. Um, so God has given you a ton to steward. And it's it's leaders like you guys why I love coaching. Because you're hungry. You're taking the next steps. There's more coming at you than you feel like maybe you're prepared for, which is great. It's called faith, right? And it's terrifying uh, in the meantime. Uh, but it can be hard for people to conceptualize coaching. Can you let somebody into a coaching conversation in a couple minutes? Uh, what is a coaching call like when we spend 90 minutes together? 
Well, I love the outdoors and I've climbed a lot of mountains and I just see it as a friend joining me for the climb. I see it as someone who uh, has been on the mountain before. uh, And if not, that exact mountain has been on a lot of other mountains that kind of knows what to look at, what what to look for. Uh, Someone to really not uh, give me all the answers, but to help me ask that, ask the right questions so that I can pray about it and God can reveal the right answers to me. And so uh, so many times it's really helpful to have in our coaching sessions um, tools and resources and questions that uh, that you provide me just that help me step outside of my own head and see it from other angles and other perspectives and really just simplify. Honestly, I, I tend to overcomplicate things in my in my life and just to simplify, slow down and just hand it over, surrender to the Lord, and just be able to have a plan, but also be focused on Jesus's face and not just his hands and to just to really um, focus on what he has planned for me next. And when you say really, you know, giving it over to God, we talk about these two buckets of like, what's your responsibility to steward? And then what's God's responsibility? And often we get those things mixed up. It can be really overwhelming. I mean, for you guys, some of the overwhelm is because you have a lot of favor. And a lot of leaders listening, you're saying, I don't know how to steward all this. I don't know how to handle all of this. Um, and so to be able to break those things apart, um, people tend to say things like, oh, that's relieving. Um, and I feel lighter leaving, freer. And we say, we are in the freedom business. We are not in the leadership business. We're helping people find freedom to do what God's already called you to do, already put in your hands. And again, a great joy. Last question, uh, Why? Why would a leader that is trying to steward a lot or a little that God has given them uh, enter into a coaching relationship? Well, two answers for that. Uh, The first is to create momentum. Uh, There may be leaders who are stuck in a rut and just um, have the passion and desire, but just don't know um, how to get past a certain point. Maybe they feel like their wheels are just spinning. And so to create that momentum to to take those next steps and and reactivate their hearts toward what God's uh, put in front of them. And then the other way is to to keep the momentum. And I get excited about that because right now we have a ton of momentum and it takes uh, someone like yourself to help coach me to be wise with that momentum and to see how can, where do I need to invest my energy? Where do I need to pull back? What do I say yes to? What do I say no to? And to help ask the right questions to use as a litmus test for uh, how I spend my time and energy and, and focus. Awesome. Well, you guys are doing incredible things. Thanks for inviting me into the journey. And if you're listening or you're watching and you want to learn how to harness momentum, maybe you even feel just stuck right now. Maybe you're feeling the weight of that overwhelm. We say that as clarity goes up, overwhelm goes down. And that is a bad feeling to feel overwhelmed whether it's with success or failure, to feel stuck, not know where to go next. Um, And it is easy to coach leaders like you, Jason, because you guys are moving in that direction. Uh, You and Amber are incredible, taking on the next big challenges. So thanks for letting me into your journey. If you're interested in Refuge Ranch, uh, check them out at myrefugeranch.org. You can also just check in the notes below. Uh, Secondly, if you're interested in coaching, we'd love to give you a free breakthrough coaching session, just to know what it's like and get, kind of get a sample uh, of what coaching is. You can head on over to stayforth.com. Just click on our coaching page and we'll get you a free breakthrough session. Jason, see you next session, my man. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Alan, thanks for having me. Man, I've admired your work and what you guys are doing. Something pretty special 
is uh, unfolding. And now you have a book baby that has come into the world. So congrats on that. We will get to that. But Matt, first of all, um, tell us about you, man. What do you do? What are you all about? And uh, what do you get excited about? You know, I get excited about a lot of things. Uh, if I had to wrap it up in a couple of quick terms, uh, family's first for me in life. I'm a, I'm a family man. I've got a beautiful wife and two beautiful children. Uh, our wives know each other. That's how we got connected. Was, yeah, that's uh, right. Our wives were friends in high school and, and beyond. Uh, I'm, an, I'm a small business and leadership author, serial entrepreneur, uh, keynote speaker, and I'm a Spain aficionado. I'm a super passionate fan of uh, the country of Spain, the culture, the food, the people, and a uh, aspiring paella chef and a Spanish coffee addict. <laughs> and I uh, also happen to have my Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. And I've been able to um, tie all of these passions and interests together in a number of really cool businesses and a really interesting and unique uh, space, commercial business space uh, that we have here in Loveland in uh, Northern Colorado. So you got to talk about Spain a little bit. That is not just something you get excited at a distance. You guys have spent significant time there and really, like you say, woven family business together. Tell us a little bit about that. I think it's a really interesting part of your life. Yeah, it's uh, it's really cool to reflect back. I just turned 40 and uh, my first introduction to Spain was uh, while I was studying at Colorado State University. I was a Spanish minor. I never thought I would major in it. It just was something that came easy to me and it was an interest of mine and uh, met a Spanish professor, uh, Maria del Mar is her name. And she's from Southern Spain. And we had uh, I had a Spanish culture class with her. Uh, I was in a class and every day she she kind of bothered me. It was almost like I call it today. She harassed me every day. Hey, you need to visit my country. You need to you need to check it out. You should consider study abroad. And um, she just kept nudging me. And I finally said, you know what? I'm at a place in my life where uh, I needed an escape. I needed just different scenery, different environment. I wasn't connected. I had no commitments. Right. Like you're, you're 19, 20 years old. So I signed up and a couple months later, I'm landing on a plane in Madrid, living with a host family uh, in a totally foreign land, country, culture, people, you know, the the big things down to the little things. And I was just totally thrown out of my comfort zone. Uh, um, the hardest first month of my life that I had ever had in 20 years, I considered going home, cried myself to sleep, um, cursed a lot, right? Just out of frustration of like not knowing what's going on. And then, you know, I, I got over that hump and I pushed through it. And it was one of the best experiences of, of my life. Um, fell in love with the country, the people, the culture, the food. And, um, you know, came back, got married, met Emily. And then the first time I took her back was in 2005. So about three years after I went there. And we literally go every year. I'm there just about every year, sometimes more. Awesome. Man, love, love that. We got to talk more offline about that. Maybe eat some paella together at some point. We should probably talk leadership a little bit here. Uh, you have so much good stuff uh, on leadership. So talk about uh, some common beliefs that are holding leaders back. What do you see, Matt? Leadership. I, I think a big common belief is when you hear the word leadership, right? It's hard to define. If you ask somebody what constitutes leadership, at least for me, when I was bad at it and I didn't know what it was and I was again, poor at it is I go, oh, you have to be this big CEO. You have to have this big company or, you know, this big church, this large organization where you're responsible for thousands of, of people. And it's, it's not that. Uh, I love a quote from John Quincy Adams. And it says that uh, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more and become more, you're a leader. 
Hmm. So I, I've really broken down at least my definition and, and what I do every day. And I've got a, a small group of people that I that I lead. Um, it's investing, you know, your life, your story into somebody else's. It's it's taking the the wisdom and the lessons that you've learned from your experiences, sharing those with others to make their life better and help them clarify a vision and drive towards it, hold them accountable. Um, but the, the the big key, right, is when you can teach that and do that so well with somebody that they can then turn around and do that with somebody else. And, and that's literally what I get to do in everything that I'm involved in. And I just absolutely love it. Yeah, I was going to say, what's the common thread between whether you're giving a keynote, I think you were with a team actually doing some consulting work today or yesterday, I saw that online, uh, you're writing, yes. and yeah. then also leading this company, what are a couple of those common threads for you and your leadership? is that I have a responsibility based on where I've come from and, and my story and, and my experiences to share those with others to say, listen, you've got to declare and decide what you want and what's holding you back. And just because you you came from a bad situation, a bad upbringing, whatever that is, your history is not your destiny. And, and my story is an example of that in lots of different capacities. And I just, I feel a responsibility to share that and right, whether I'm giving a keynote to a group of real estate agents or I'm teaching three hours after that, right? I'm teaching nine-year-olds jujitsu. I'm trying to wrangle a bunch of like, like 20, 29-year-olds running around screaming. <laughs> you know, we're talking about self-defense and leadership and, and making your life better. So I literally wake up every day and share stories to inspire and ignite other people to own and live an excellent life in whatever it is that they do. And you inspire a lot of people. Um, and obviously I mean, it's easy to go get a quick hit of dopamine from a book or a conference to be inspired. Let's talk about practices. That's really what it comes down to. So what common practices are missing for leaders? So as, as leaders, we have, um, we, we have this responsibility to so many people and so many things and we get pulled in, in so many ways and, um, shared an exercise with my team. We're getting ready to go on a big leadership retreat. And I said, we're going to be gone. We're going to be out of the country together for a week. And you need to get control of your calendar. You can't control time. Everybody has the same amount of time, but you need to absolutely control your calendar and where you spend your attention, how you spend your attention and what gets your attention. And you have to say no to a lot more things than you say yes to. I see leaders and I'm, I'm a victim of this as well. Ask Francis, right? She set this up. <laughs> like I get pulled in a million different directions and you've got to say no from 1230 to one, I'm speaking to Alan and nobody else, nothing mm -hmm. else. And I, and I don't see that being done as well as it could be with, with leaders and just people in general. Yeah, no, agreed. Agreed. I think, um, the prioritization, right. This is important, but I haven't done that in weeks or I just don't have time, right. The leftovers, the big rocks analogy, whatever we want to use. Um, yeah. All right. Opportunities, opportunities kind of in my, from my vantage are everywhere uh, right now. I'm curious what you would say um, to that. Somebody listening, what are some of those low hanging fruit opportunities that are out there for leaders, but particularly for business leaders right now? I was talking with the team about this the other day is it, it, this is, this comes out of frustration, but I'll share the lesson. And I think the opportunity is there's so much fakeness out there right now click bait, click funnel, get rich, get better marriage, better life, better finances. Here's the three steps Beach to get muscles. this. Really, you know, work. Yeah. All that stuff. And, and it's just you, you, this social media world that we live in where everything is dolled up and buttoned up and beautiful and you don't have to work for it. At least 
that's perceived and you think you can just go out and grab that is, you know, I say this all the time is, um, and I think it's already happening is that the fake's going to get found out and it's getting found out really quick what this world and especially what the business world is missing. And this is what I'm writing about. It's being real and vulnerable and brave in the stories that you communicate with your end users, right? Your clients, the people you lead, the people you serve, your congregation, uh, just just sharing some of your worst moments and getting vulnerable. There's not too many people willing to do that. And I see this, you know, kind of this wave coming of leaders that are going into that space. They're building amazing followings. Um, you know, if you're getting down to X's and O's of business, they're generating more leads, more revenue, more profit. And I think that's a big, a uh, big movement that's coming. <laughs> so when you talk about vulnerability, rumor has it that your company was responsible for painting a baby. So please, you're eating yes. your own dog food here with vulnerability. Tell us about Absolutely. painting a baby. So eight years ago, I would have danced around the question and, and not wanted to answer it. And I would have tried to guide you to something else, you know, like, hey, let's talk about our father-son camping trip where we where we shared coffee. But no, our painting company, um, about a decade ago, we had a paint sprayer blow up at a job site. There was a, a woman standing there with her nine-month-old baby. She was admiring the house that one of our crew leads is getting ready to paint. He loads the paint sprayer up with semi-gloss black paint. He's ready to spray doors and the gun jams. He pulls the trigger, boom, paint everywhere. The house, the concrete, the landscape, everything he wasn't supposed to paint, including the baby, the, the mother, but, but especially the baby, like he painted the baby. And um, I remember getting that phone call. I was a 20 minute car ride away and he's freaking out. And he, he would typically play jokes on me with calls like this. But this time I could tell it was different. You know, I get out to the job site. Obviously there's damage control. We need to make sure the baby's physically okay. But what transpired after that is we were given an opportunity, you know, I share this is you can say that you're you're going to fix a problem or you can say you have integrity or you can say you're honest. But if that's never tested, if you never have an opportunity to not be honest, how can you show that you're honest? So that was a time that we were tested, right? To Like we, we say that we're this in our marketing brochure, but we actually had to show it. We had to put our money where our mouth was literally. And uh, we had to clean up this mess and handle this situation. But that story, Alan, we were never going to tell that to anybody. You know, can you imagine if you're a competing painting company? Hey, you got a quote from m &E Painting? Yeah, did you hear what happened last week? They almost killed a baby. You want those guys painting for you? And, and that is, as a leader, we say, no, like, we don't want that story to found out. But there was so much power in that story. That is our worst moment. And that's when you get to be your best, right? And you know this, right? As a father, a leader, a husband, a business owner, like when stuff's on the line, that's when true leaders step up. So um, as we've had a chance to relive and retell that story, um, we took it out to the community. We put painted babies all over bus benches and bus stops and started sharing the story. And it it really changed the direction of our interaction and storytelling with our, our clients, our vendors, our team. I love that. Like at that point, we have nothing else to hide. We might as well get it out there. It's got to be freeing as well to yeah. head that direction. Um, man, so many different ways we could go. Let, let's talk about influence, especially growing influence. Leaders listening, they're doing things well, and excellence breeds more opportunities. Success breeds more opportunities. That breeds uh, pressurization of your time. You only have so much time and energy. What do you say to leaders who have a growing demand for their time and their influence? And how do they stay healthy in the midst of that? 
Yeah, you, you know, you can't be everything to everybody. And I think um, leadership, you have to be careful because it's addicting, right? Like when you go and you give a, a, a keynote or you lead a team towards a goal and then you you get that validation, that appreciation, that celebration, you sit back. Yeah, this is great. I want to do this more. I want to do this bigger. And, oh, I've got this opportunity over here. It's like, hold on, like hit the brakes a minute. Why are you doing this? Like, what is what is your purpose in life? Um, what is the demographic you've committed to serve? A good example for me right now is I've committed to serve the, the small business leader, small business owner demographic with what I what I teach, what I talk about. I do little videos on Instagram, little reels, morning coffee with Matt. And these lessons could be taken into marriage, into schools, into whatever. And uh, I had the principal of a school call me the other day and wants me to come in and, and do some speaking and some engaging with a student that's having trouble. Um, but I'm looking at that. Okay, that's that's not the business demographic I serve. That is a total, um, you know, community a give back. It's a personal thing. So be really conscious and careful that you're not getting pulled out of your lane and then calling it business. Right? It's like you can go do do this. You can work mm-hmm. with maybe a different demographic, a, a different group. But you've got to just be intentional about your focus and intentional about your why. And um, don't get distracted by by shiny objects because then you lose focus of your of your big purpose and your big mission. Why do leaders struggle to say no? Every leader I know, it is hard to say no. Why is that? I, the commonality I find with leaders they they love what they do. They love helping people, and and I think leaders aren't we're we're selfish and selfless, and we're not selfish enough. And I'll mm-hmm. talk more about that. But we do, like we want to help people, and it like it makes me feel good when I can share my story with somebody one on one across the table over a coffee, and it makes their life better. And then then ten more people want to do it. I don't have time for for that one on one. It's not that I don't want to and I don't care, but leaders have good hearts, and you know this, right? Like you're you're not interviewing people that are that are leading out of a out of a bad. Um, position, right, with bad intentions. And we just, we want to help people. And you got to realize that um, you can't pour into others if your cup is empty and you can't be everything to everybody at, at all the time. And those that are and try to be, uh, they they lose businesses, marriages, and things that are more important ultimately than, than the space that you're in, right, professionally as a leader. So 40-year-old Matt meets 22-year-old Matt. What are you going to tell them? I wrote a bunch of these down uh, is, is take your time. You're, you're 20. If you're 20, 25, even, you know, not even 30 yet listening to this, don't feel like you have to have it all figured out or have made it. Um, there's a lot of posers out there, right. On, on the social media. Well, this, this guy's 25. He's got a Lamborghini. No, he doesn't. He rented that and he's got no money. Um, sorry. Um, you've got your whole life ahead of you. Use that time to explore what you love, what what you what you don't like. Take you know, take risks. Um, go out and do things before you're totally committed, right? Before you've got a family with growing kids and a mortgage and you're locked down. Um, seek a mentor. Find somebody that will mentor you, and don't think that you're so new to life and leadership that you can't turn around and go mentor a 15 year old and share your lessons. It is this this continuing flow of being invested in then investing into other people um, and really invest in your leadership, invest in understanding who you are, where you came from, where you sit and where you want to go with that. And um, just remember anything significant, at least for me, like the big wins that I've had that I can sit here and celebrate today, those all took at least a decade 
like at least a decade, put your head down and work for a decade and, and catch that right there, guys. Yeah. Like not only does it take time, the big wins, some people would say, take a little while, take a decade. At least, at least. Yeah. And, and not to say that, you know, I, I had really quick success. I mean, M&D painting, I started $100 in the bank, a couple hundred thousand in debt, and we became a multi-million dollar company very quickly. But it was all me growing the business, working more, working harder. It's a difference between growing and scaling. You, you grow by working harder. You scale by leading others to, to scale. And I was awful at leadership. And um, I, didn't, I didn't realize that. And, you know, that was my, say, flash in the pan right? The, the quick success. But I realized that for this to really be, to have some longevity, that, that I've got to lead people. I can't just keep working this, this hard. It was affecting other parts of my life. So yeah, it takes, it takes 10 years guys, at least. Yeah, man, that's so good. It's so helpful. Take the long view. Sometimes I hear leaders in mid twenties, early thirties, man, uh, am I, am I done? Am I past my prime? And I just laugh. You gotta be kidding me. We're not getting started with, until we have some of the maturity, we've made enough mistakes, enough failures, or pushed close to burnout. That was part of my story and, and really shaped. I had to hit up against my limits, not to say that everybody does, but it sounds like some of that you were shaped kind of in the crucible of boom, here it is. I got to learn it in the midst of the moment. And you are, and you're going to be shaped and learn your lessons and, and the, the, the bits and pieces, the nuggets of wisdom are going to be when you're in the you know, the bottom of the pit, right? I remember getting, getting laid off from that job before I started uh, M&D painting. And I say, you've got to, you know, there's, there's, um, there's treasure in the trash, you know, when you're in your worst moments and like life can't get any worse, business can't get any worse. Where am I going to go from here? There's, there's value there. Um, you might not be able to see it in the moment because you're standing in a pit of mud and garbage and trash and awfulness. Right. But just, you know, there's nowhere to go from that point, but up take a second and look back from a couple different perspectives and, and you'll find some, you'll find some lessons there. I promise. That's good. I love looking back uh, with you and with other leaders. I really love going right now. Let's peel back the layers. What risks are you currently in process of taking right now? So the, the biggest one that I'm doing it is this combination of my, my passion for Spain and wanting to share that experience with, with others. So I, I cook paella, I share Spanish coffee with people. I'm actually taking my company's leadership team. There's, there's 10 of us. We're actually going uh, to Spain in March for awesome. a seven day experiential leadership retreat. Um, it's, it's the most money I've ever invested. It's the most amount of time bandwidth I've ever invested. And I would just say like, it, it, it's just part of me and I'm pouring everything into this, um, a to pour into the team, but then I've already invited, uh, no more than 10 small business leaders to, to go back and do this again in September. So it's called the ultimate immersion experience and, um, teaching my gentle art of leadership program. So it's, that's the, one of the biggest risks I've ever taken, and um, I wouldn't do it any other way. I'm, I'm super excited about it. And I have absolute faith that it's going to work out. It's not going to be perfect, but uh, it's going to impact some lives for sure. Mm, man, Matt, I wish we could talk for hours. We better not. But I want to leave you with this. Tell us about the book. Tell us about maybe the overarching theme of the book. And frankly, sell it to us, man. Come on, bring it. Yeah, it's it's the painted baby. The title is the painted baby. I'm honestly still working on the subtitle as, as I'm processing through the book. Uh, it has to do with bravery and vulnerability for leaders in their storytelling. 
because vulnerability and bravery and sharing your worst moments, that's actually what creates true connection between humans. And when you can do that, when you can be not buttoned up and not perfect, and you can capture craft and communicate what you think is actually your worst moment or experience in life, that's actually your most powerful way to connect with people, to build trust, to build bridges, to build relationships. And I'm going out to share you know, my painted baby story to encourage other people to discover find and then share theirs. Awesome. Matt, thanks for what you do. Thanks for those you inspire, coach, consult, and lead. And man, that Spain trip sounds like a blast. Love what you're up to, man. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. We ain't so long.